What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Burner Account Hot Takes, No Breaks. I'm your host, Alex Flock, always beside my co-host, Jack ICLO. Jack, it's been a while, season two. How you living? How we doing? Welcome back. Alex, great to be back, man. So excited to talk sports again. Season two, wow. I can't even remember the last time we recorded an episode. It had to have been, what, five, six months ago, probably? That would be August of 2020, so right in that wheelhouse. And uh, a lot has changed since then, but in actuality, a lot has also not changed. Uh, We are still sitting here quarantined in our respective homes. That is true. I think we're all hopeful that 2021 turns out a little bit better. And um, who knows, maybe we can get back to sporting events sometime later this year. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, still lots of uh, lots of good sports news came out and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, something exciting. Glad we're uh, glad we're renewing this. Uh, you know, we're trying to avoid the the whole one hit wonder. We are not the uh, song of the summer, the trap queen by Fetty Wap. That's true. Um, it, we promised the people a second season, and we are here to deliver. Did we actually promise a second season? I think we did. I'm, I I know that in my heart, I did. Uh, hey, moral victories count here. Sir. That's right. So that's very good. Um, what do you say? You want to jump right in? Yeah, let's get started. I'm ready to go. Sounds good. Well, uh, listen, Jack, you know, we're on the brink of the Super Bowl. Uh, we're planning, uh, spoiler alert, possibly another episode later this week with a guest commentator. Uh, but again, we're on the brink of the Super Bowl. And, you know, we always kind of go back and forth on, you know, what takes, you know, we had that belong you know in the freezer versus which ones belong in the microwave um and we both had our fair share of takes you know good and bad i certainly own up to the bad takes i've had but wanted to see looking back at this one uh where would you grade some of your takes and what were some of your worst or best takes uh from this past season let's start with uh the worst takes it was actually funny when I was um, trying to think of what, what I wanted to say for this segment, I, I kind of had to go back to some of my old episodes and, and figure out uh, what exactly I did say and how stupid was it. Um, and I, honestly, I had some bad takes. I had some misses, but um, and I know you're not going to really like this one too much, but I think one of my worst was probably that I predicted the Patriots would win the AFC East. Ugh, my um, heart broke. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if you would have told me that the Patriots would end – as the third best team in their own division, I, I wouldn't believe you. I wouldn't believe you. I I really thought they had a system that was built to compete every year, even in the absence of Tom Brady. Um, and I think I, I overestimated the system a little bit. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that it's, they can't get back, back to it. Um, Bill Belichick's a great coach. I think they need to get a quarterback in there. They obviously need to upgrade their offensive weapons. But it was just a lackluster year for them, and um, the Bills and Dolphins were just better, and, and I missed on that. So I, I have to own up to that one. Uh, the Patriots were, were not as I thought they would be. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was it was a tough year, and I, I think you know for some teams, seven to nine would be you know a very successful year. Um, but I think for a team like the Patriots, just with the pedigree that they've had over the past two decades, it's just you know it, so many things you just. You, you can't explain, um, but I, I do think it starts at the quarterback position. I mean, um, you know, a lot of people speculated, you know, would this be a, a different year with, you know, Tom Brady gone or would this, you know, 
would it simply be a transition? And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the Patriots would have been um, so much better, um, you know, with Tom Brady. I think they would have undoubtedly been better. Um, I think they probably would have hovered that nine, 10 game, um, you know, stretch. I think that, you know, one thing that Cam Newton really did well early in the year before things kind of fell apart was he, he was running the ball very well and he was getting in the end zone. So he was executing from that standpoint. But I think that, um, when you just kind of look at it from a, you know, from a bird's eye view, I think that the Patriots just didn't have the talent to compete. I mean, your, your number one receiver, uh, first of all, Julian Edelman was hurt and, you know, on the COVID list for most of the year. Um, but your number one receiver, you know, production wise was Jacoby Myers. That's not going to win you a lot of games. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So real quick, um, my worst one. Sorry, real quick before you go on to uh, to your pick, what what do you what do you think the Patriots do this offseason, or what do they need to do in order to get back in the into the, the playoff race? Uh, uh, boy, uh, do you have a pen and paper handy? Because uh, <laughs> I can give you uh, a, I can give you a wish list. Um, well, look, they, they need a quarterback, um, and it, I mean they need a long term quarterback. I mean Cam Newton is more than likely not returning next year. Um, you know, and in, in the play in the spurts that Jarrett Stidham played, you know, and I said it at the beginning of the year, all aboard the the Stidham wagon. I, you know, he's just he's not the guy. I, I just I don't think. I think if he was, um, Bill would have played him more because um, Cam did more than enough to earn himself several benchings, um, and that's not an indictment on Cam. That's just that's the talent that you have around you like Cam did not play well, but Cam also did not play well because he didn't have, you know, really good football players around him. So I, I think that Jared Stidham had ample opportunities to play. I, I do wish that he had gotten more playing time just so we could have seen what he offered, but I, I just, I don't think that he's the guy. So if I'm the Patriots, I mean, quarterback is your number one priority. Um, and then it, you need, to get outside weapons like you cannot keep doing this thing where you know Tom Brady was able to offset a lot of those you know errors that guys were making Nikhil Harry drop balls left right far backward I mean literally every third play um and I think that they just need playmakers they need speed on the outside I mean running back they're always going to be a, a good team running the football I mean James White is just James White is just supremely underrated, uh, both in the pass game and run. Um, I still cannot for the life of me understand why the Patriots picked Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb. Um, but Sony, Sony Michelle still shows flashes, you know, every once in a while. And it's just like, you, you wish that this guy was as consistent as Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's one of the best running backs in the NFL right now. Um, and uh, I mean, Rex Burkhead tore his ACL, but like Rex Burkhead, they'll have, a game where I'll have 60 total yards and 7,000 touchdowns just because he finds the end zone. So right. I, I just think the Patriots need playmakers. Um, it's something that quite frankly, outside of Tom Brady, they haven't had uh, very much of, um, you know, in recent years and they've been able to get by with, with good coaching, but I think that kind of stops here and it'll be really interesting to see how Bill Belichick a official general manager, Bill Belichick, because Nick Casario is gone. Um, see what he needs to to really shape this team 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, the Patriots need playmakers, plain and simple. So I, I hope that somewhat answers your question. Well, I think those are good points, Alex. And I, I think you're right. I, it does start with the quarterback to some extent. And uh, who knows? Deshaun Watson might be on the market. Maybe the do Patriots. not do not tempt me. I will get excited, <laughs> and I will I will have my heart broken. I I don't know. I've seen a lot of people photoshopping Patriots jerseys on the Deshaun Watson, and I'm not gonna lie. It looks pretty good. Just you're, saying, you're just you're, out there. you're you're getting me hyped up <laughs> for something that's just not in the that's not gonna happen. I, I I think that that would be the the greatest addition that they that they can make. Uh, you know, they could obviously draft a guy, but. My biggest fear is them them overdrafting for a quarterback that's just not ready yet. That's a good point. All right, well, let's hear one of your uh, your takes, Alex. Sure. Uh, so worst, um, I'll take the Steelers, and I'll own up to that one. Uh, you know, similar to you, I kind of went back and was listening, and uh, I remember when we were going through each division, I, I had the Steelers pegged for last place in the AFC North. Clearly, that didn't happen, and their 11-0 start to the season really cleared that up. Um, maybe it was just a few months late though, because, you know, over their last five games, they finished one and four. I'm not trying to rationalize my mindset, but the, the way they finished was the way I saw this team playing all year. Um, then they proceeded to just get waxed by the Browns in the wild card game. They, they gave the Browns their first playoff win in 20 some odd years. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan. I've always been a Mike Tomlin fan. I think he's a hall of fame head coach. No question. Um, I just I, I have zero clue what happened with the Steelers this year. Uh, I mean, they just they were dominating so much, and then something happened, and they just they couldn't do anything. Um, you, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had a solid year. You know, post really, you know, could have been career ending surgery on his elbow. Um, he finished in the top ten with thirty three passing touchdowns and only had 10 interceptions. He threw over 3,800 yards defensively. TJ Watt led the NFL with 15 sacks. Um, the Steelers downfall was, they were terrible running the football in 2020. They finished 28th in the league in total rushing yards with just over 1,300 as a team, uh, which is really disgraceful considering Benny Snell had a hundred yards out the gate week one. Um, their offensive line isn't bad, um, but they, they finished last in yards per carry. So they, they were not getting off the line. They averaged just three and a half yards per carry, 3.6 to be exact. Um, I seriously have no clue what happened. You know, I think that their 11 and 0 streak was, was very much a fluke and just kind of got to their head. I, I, you know, expected chase Claypool to flop. Um, he, he was <laughs> one of my, I mean, he was one of my guys that, you know, going back, you can check the receipts. I, I thought he was overrated heading into the draft and, you know, he had a really nice rookie season and, you know, it'll sound weird, but I, I think if the Steelers finished with a worse record than what they had or just didn't win more than like a handful of games in a row, um, I think they'd probably be a better team and maybe a little bit more focused heading into the playoffs. I think that, you know, teams win 11 games in a row and you're thinking that they're indestructible, but I think the Steelers were really exposed in those last five games and, um you know, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. I mean, I, I was dead wrong about the Steelers. They finished 12 and four with the, you know, with the top three seed in the, you know, in, in the AFC. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the way they finished the season was how I saw it. Um, yeah. So that, that one's on me, Chase Claypool on me. Um, Jack, any takes that you were really happy with yourself about? Yeah. I mean, this one kind of hurts a little bit, but, um, 
I remember when we did a segment on our, our three most overrated quarterbacks heading into the season, um, I threw Carson Wentz on my list, and I, it was the right call because Carson Wentz was statistically the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. I mean, we I think we all paid attention. 16 picks. He had a QB rating less than 80. Um, he was terrible, and he was benched for Jalen Hurts. Um, it just wasn't wasn't a good year for him. I don't know what his future is going to look like in, in Philadelphia, but I, the writing was kind of on the wall uh, for that one for me, and uh, I, I just had a bad feeling about him going into the season, and um, it didn't work out for him. And I also I threw Jimmy G and, and Tannehill as two of my other most overrated quarterbacks, and you know, Jimmy G was hurt most of the season. Uh, he seems like he's hurt all the time. It looks like his days are probably numbered in San Francisco. And then, you know, there's Tannehill. I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest Ryan Tannehill fan. I, I think we, we kind of saw what happened um, when, when Derrick Henry can't run the ball against that Baltimore defense. You need somebody you – need, you need to be able to throw the ball. And, and I don't know if Tannehill's that guy. I think he benefits a lot from having Derrick Henry as his running back and – um to me, he's, he is a little bit overrated. So I, I, I kind of liked my, my picks there heading into the season. I thought they all worked really well, um, given the way these guys performed. And um, that, That's a take I, I think I have to give myself a little bit of credit for. What about you, Alex? It's, it's always nice to, to take credit, isn't it? It is. It's, it's much nicer to take credit. That is true. Yeah. Uh, for every uh, cold take, there's always a warm one or at least a lukewarm one. I'm, I'm right there with you with the 49ers. I remember – we were kind of going through the division. I had the 49ers as, um, as missing the playoffs, um, largely due to the, the NFC's, like, you know, overarching um, incapacity to return to the Super Bowl, whereas the AFC teams, I mean, it's just Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady every year while he was with New England. Um, but, yeah, no, I expected the 49ers to have a, you know, a, a rougher year, and, I you know, I'm I'm proud of this one, but I'm also not, you know, injuries were probably their biggest story. Um, but you, you could just feel that like San Francisco was due for a setback here. You know, all credit to them though. Sala and I'll get to him and Ryan Tannehill's situation later, but Robert Sala had that defense on another level this year. Again, even with a losing record, you know, that defense showed up every single week. Um, he's going to be a really tough guy to replace in San Francisco for sure. Um, Look, you know, San Francisco has a plethora of running backs. I think each of them can pop off at, you know, a moment's notice. I really like Jeff, Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, and Raheem Moster. Uh, despite getting hurt a lot, I think Raheem Moster really proved a lot of people wrong. I think a lot of people thought he was more of a, you know, utility back. Um, but I think he really proved he could be the lead guy uh, going forward as long as he can stay healthy. I think... Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, as much as I like those guys, I, I don't see them returning next year. Certainly no disrespect to them. They're just, they're never healthy and they don't play enough. I think their next roles will be with teams that go running back by committee. Um, I thought Brandon Ayuk had a really nice season as well. Debo Samuel is an absolute baller when he's healthy. He missed a lot of games. Uh, huge break for George Kittle as well, uh, you know, with his ankle injury. And like you said, look, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt too. But even when he was healthy, it seemed like Kyle Shanahan was really keeping him on a tight leash. Um, They didn't throw the ball downfield nearly as much uh, like another NFC West team. Um, And, you know, I like Jimmy. And it seems like in this offense, he's a game manager at best. And that's okay, you know, for him. But for San Francisco to regain their status, you know, among those NFL elite teams, he he can't be their quarterback. Make no mistake, you know, he's – supremely better than C.J. Beathard, and he's better than Nick Mullins. I mean, 
he's the best option that they currently have in house. But I think that the Jimmy G experiment with the Niners feels like it's re- the end of its chapter. I, I don't see him there next year. Uh, his dead cap, if he's moved before before June first, is less than three million. If he's cut or traded, um, it, that number lowers again if he's moved after that June first mark to less than three million. So, <clears throat> not a ton of you know worry there. I guess in parting ways, I think it's best for both parties if if he gets a a new opportunity and a new system, and for the 49ers to move on. Uh, the other one that I was really proud of, and I know I texted you about it. Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. I was very proud about predicting that one. You did call that one, and and he had a, he had a good year for the Seahawks. He really did. I mean, I think I'm not I'm not sure Seahawks fans would say they were very proud of their team this year, but um, you know, Jamal Adams certainly looked like he fit the system well. And just going back to what you were saying about San Francisco, it really does seem like in order for Kyle Shanahan to unlock his full potential as an offensive play caller, they they do need to get a new quarterback in there. Whether they do that with the draft, um, you know, whether they they look into trade options, I I think I read that they were in on Matt Stafford. I, several teams were obviously the Rams. Um, Rams got him, and uh, I would love to get your reaction on that in a minute. But um, yeah, it, you know, really the the San Francisco 49ers have, have got to find a new quarterback. Um, and yeah, I, it, I but before you, but before you kind of you know keep going, I think that. You know, for Jimmy, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, look, he's very much like an Alex Smith type quarterback. He's mobile. He He's not going to throw the ball downfield a ton, but he can have a lot of success. And I, I just think that Kyle Shanahan's offense is not geared to that. Kyle Shanahan's offense is move the ball north to south and let's, you know, pound it right down the defense's throat. Um, and unfortunately, Jimmy is just not the right guy. Additionally, um, for Jamal Adams, I thought he had a, a, a decent year, all things considered. He, he was hurt a bit. Um, the cool thing is that I believe that he, you, and I each had the same number of interceptions this season. Um, so that's really cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Seattle's going to have to pay him a lot of money. Um, they didn't trade two first-round picks, you know, for a rental. Um, so yeah, he's, he's going to get a lot of money either this offseason or next. That's true. Um, did he? Uh, I'm looking it up now. Did he really have 11 sacks last year, though? Yeah. No. I mean, he was insane That's... playing in the box. I mean, he any scheme that that they drew up for, you know, Jamal Adams to make tackles and make plays, like he was constantly harassing, you know, quarterbacks like all season long. I think that's a an NFL record for a safety. Um, it was incredible for you know having 11 sacks. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. He he did have zero interceptions. Correct. It does. It does look like he did not. Um, okay. have, you know, but, it, but that's okay. I mean, they they used him, you know, more as like a hybrid, like linebacker type, and that's okay. You know, Jamal Adams is a, a dude's a a headhunter. I mean, like he'll go after the ball. So I I think that, you know, the interceptions thing. Yeah, it's a rough stat for a DB, but eleven sacks. I mean, you you're not gonna just, you know, scoff that off. True, and and to be fair to him, I mean he's in his four year playing career, he only has two career interceptions. Right. So not a guy who, who's picking the ball off too much. But I think you're right. Maybe the the Seahawks did expect a little bit more out of him. Um, you know, it was just kind of a rough year for them all around. I spe- I think the focus was offensively, but um, definitely not the uh, the Legion of Boom that I think we're all used to. Definitely not. Um. So before we move on to the next segment, I, I do want to sort of hear you react a little bit to to what happened with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and, and just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you thought about the trade and then how you think Matt Stafford 
um, is going to fit into the system over there. No comment. No comment? Off the record, Alex. Come on, you got to give me some comment. I wish it was off the record, Jack. Unfortunately, no comment. Uh, the trade becomes official in March. We'll talk about it then. All right. Well, we'll, we'll save that segment for March, and um, we will look at – I, uh, I appreciate you, you steering away from it very quickly. I appreciate that. I mean, if, you're, if you want to talk about it in March, I'll put it on my calendar, and we'll talk about it in March. Oh, well, one, I'm down. once it becomes an official headline, it's fair game. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. All right. Well, let us we're, – we're a week away from the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So let's look back on what happened this year, and um, let, let's pick a team that uh, surprised you the most. Um, and uh, why, don't you, why don't you pick a player along with it? So, so give, me, give me your team and player that you thought um, just really had a nice, nice season and uh, kind of explain why. You got it. Um, first of all, I, I think COVID aside, I mean, this year was awesome. Um, despite everything going on, some guys just flat out balled out and they were part of my prediction. So I hesitate to say that I'm really surprised by their success, but I think the amount of success they had was more impressive than anything. Um, and it hurt to, to write. It doesn't hurt to say, but nobody, Jack, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. I had the Bills winning the AFC East for the first time in 25 years. They didn't disappoint. Josh Allen had an MVP caliber season. He was low-key, you know, my favorite quarterback to watch this year. Uh, Huge credit to Brian Dable and uh, Sean McDermott for really shoring up Josh Allen's accuracy issues, which have long been, like, his biggest criticism. Um, You know, some people, in light of that, have thought that Josh Allen was, you know, a little bit too inconsistent to be a franchise quarterback. Um, Nothing inconsistent about his play this year. Um, This guy impressed me. You know, so much, uh, you know, he's mobile with his legs. He's tough as nails. And he can put the ball wherever he wants to put the ball. Um, and uh, the guy who impressed me the most this year plays on the same team, and that was Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, you really can't say enough about this guy. It's crazy thinking that some people thought he, he couldn't be a legit number one receiver. I mean, he had 127 catches this year for over 1,500 yards. Both were tops in the league. Uh, had eight touchdowns as well, but you didn't see him like complaining for red zone targets. I mean, Josh Allen was merely getting the ball to an open receiver and, you know, Stefan Diggs was open more often than not. Um, in my mind, I think Stefan Diggs was the second best wide receiver in the NFL this year behind only one guy. That's Devontae Adams. Uh, Stefan Diggs is uh, such a downfield threat every single snap. Uh, his short game's incredible as well. And I think with Josh Allen's arm strength and his new accuracy, I mean, this couldn't have been a better marriage. Uh, Getting him from Minnesota alone would have been enough for, you know, the Bills to say, we're going to extend Brandon Bean, our general manager. And, you know, he got his before the season ended. So the Bills are here. I don't think we should expect them, expect expect that to change anytime soon. Um, They were really fun to watch. Uh, Both the Bills and Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, just completely impressed me all year. Uh, How about you? That, that's a good pick, Alex. I, I almost went with the Bills as well, but I figured I actually figured you were going to pick them, so I decided to go I, with a different I, team. I can appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't want to get too redundant here. Um, I, I chose the Cleveland Browns, which I, I, I also thought had a really that's, nice season. That's a really good one. That's, that's a really good one. He was phenomenal this year. I, I think you can make a very good argument that he was the coach of the year. I mean, Sean McDermott's obviously up there, but I mean, Kevin Stefanski was great. Uh, 11-5 and finish. They won a playoff game. Um, I think the focus was really on on their rushing attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. 
They were third in rushing yards per game. Uh, and the, the, the most surprising thing to me was that they did it without um, Odell Beckham Jr. for most of the year. And uh, then you got to look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think coming into this season, he really needed to show something. Um, he, had, he had 26 touchdowns. He had eight picks. You know, is he a game manager or, or does he have something else to offer? I think that's still up for debate. But um, I, I think if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you, you have to be pretty happy with the way this team played. Um, you know, maybe you look to build defensively a little bit going into next year, um, especially in the secondary. I think they have one of the worst pasties in the, in the entire league. But uh, I was really, really surprised with the Cleveland Browns. I, I thought they had a great year. And then um, for my player, I, I Justin Jefferson. I mean, it's a great one. I, I, Justin Jefferson was going to be mine as well. But, uh, you know, in lieu of doing a rookie, I took digs. But uh, you could easily pick Justin Jefferson, look like a seasoned veteran out there all year. Oh. Oh, for sure. I mean, 1,400 yards receiving. He, he's a star in the making. Um, really sucks that – listen, I got nothing against Jalen Rager. I still think he can work out for the it's Eagles. A, but it, sore subject, huh? It's, it is a sore subject because it does sting that the Eagles could have picked him and they didn't. And uh, he was right there for them. They were, they were rumored to have loved him all year. It's still unclear what exactly happened that led them to Jalen Rager. I think it's it really does seem like their 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 front office and and their coaching staff was pretty split on these two guys, um, with the scouts sort of favoring Justin Jefferson and the coaches um, favoring Jalen Rager. But you know you, you miss some it, it it burns a little bit that it had to be Justin Jefferson given the year he put up. But um, yeah, I mean he he had to be my surprise player of the year. It's a really good choice, uh, and the Cleveland Browns too, uh, an excellent choice. I thought Kevin Stefanski did such a fantastic job this year. <laughs> Uh, Miles Garrett, really good season as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think the Browns know what they need to do this offseason. It's just shoring up a little, uh, a couple of things defensively and just sharpening some things offensively. Um, and to your point, Jack, you, you had mentioned that, you know, a lot of the Browns' success came after the, you know, Odell injury. Do you think the Browns move on from Odell this offseason? I think they have to. I mean, that that relation toast. Um, I, I can't imagine him going back there. I, I don't. He's really not. He hasn't. I don't. He hasn't impressed me since he got to Cleveland. Um, and I, I still think he's a great player. I mean, he just needs a better system. I don't think it's going to work there in Cleveland. Doesn't really seem like he and Baker Mayfield have ever been on the same page. So um, it's it's just not. It's not a team that's really built for a guy like Odell Beckham. You know, they're gonna they're gonna pound it with Nick Chubb. And that's what their team's built around. Really good offensive line. You know, Baker Mayfield. Hopefully, he'll make good decisions when he needs to. But. I, I just it's not a team first for somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. He he doesn't belong in um Cleveland, Ohio. Um so yeah, I, I that that's my take on it. What about you, Alex? I I don't know. I was gonna ask you where do you think he's gonna end up? I, I, I don't know who's gonna make a deal for him. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a great question. I, I, I don't know. I mean I I would take him on the Philadelphia Eagles in heartbeat. Um I think <laughs> Yeah. I would hope. I, I I would, and and they're a team who needs needs wide receivers, so I I certainly wouldn't be against that. Um, maybe maybe a team like the Miami Dolphins. I that's I don't know if that would be too distracting for him, but um, you know they, they could be a, they could be a team that's really looking to to make that jump. Um, given that they were a very good team this year and and, and missed out on the playoffs, um, I could see them kind of going all in. Um, depending on who they decide to, to move forward with at quarterback. But, um, you know, Odell Beckham, Miami, it, it, it makes sense to me. That's fair. I, um, I think Miami does seem to just, like, make the most sense. Big scene for, you know, this, this big personality. Um, uh, you know, I, I know I'm going to be wrong about this prediction, but 
Uh, chalk me up with Washington. Um, Ooh. Uh, you know, I, I, I know it hurts to hear. Um, and like I said, it's probably not going to happen. But, um, you know, I, I like what Washington's doing. Um, Terry McLaurin's one of my favorite young wide receivers. Imagining him, you know, opposite Odell Beckham Jr., those two guys would terrorize defensive backfields. Um, yeah, I mean, if, whether they have Alex Smith or Taylor Heineke throwing him the football, I, I don't think it matters. Um, and I think Washington has the tools to go out and get him. Um, Washington had a really nice defense last year. I, I think their you know offense held them back a little bit, but you know, first year under Ron Rivera, and you know they rallied. the The Washington football team was the best team in that division, um, and in a division that was not very good, but but still. And uh, you know, I, they gave Tampa Bay a run for their money in the you know the playoff game. You know, it wasn't close down the stretch, but they were in it for most of the way. You know, with a with a backup quarterback. So I, w- I wouldn't rule them out. I wouldn't rule them out. No, that's a good pick, Alex. I mean, it, it would be fun to see that. Uh, I think he would make a really nice second option next to, to, to Scary Terry. Um, oh, Scary Terry. He would, be, perfect. he would be the second best receiver on the Washington Heads. That, 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 would, that would be something. <laughs> that's perfect. All right, well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's flip it here um, real quickly. Let's just uh, let's name a team that disappointed us the most and, and maybe a player that we weren't too happy with either. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with my preseason NFC North winner. And that's going to be the, uh, can, can the real Minnesota Vikings please stand up? You know, this team, you know, last year went to new Orleans and won a playoff game, um, you know, in, in the Superdome. That's, that's not easy to do. You know, I wanted to say the Cowboys, but I, I don't think that would be fair to Dak Prescott. He had a, a terrible injury that, you know, cost him the season. And obviously the, team had a boatload of problems outside of you know just Andy Dalton <clears throat> but you know the Vikings were staring down the barrel of you know Super Bowl expectations I think preseason at the bare minimum I think we all expected the Vikings to be a contender down the stretch uh, they just didn't get it done offensively they were solid Kirk Cousins always kind of starts slow and you know finds a rhythm late uh, Justin Jefferson like you know you had said was fantastic this year Dalvin Cook had a sensational year uh, rest in peace to his dad, by the way. Um, longtime staple, though, of Mike Zimmer's resume has always been defense. And Minnesota's defense has always been good, at least for the past couple of years. But their defense completely flopped this year. Uh, they finished in the bottom 10 against the pass and the run. Uh, they couldn't defend a dumpster without wheels, quite frankly. And, you know, I don't think a healthy Anthony Barr would have made much of a difference. Um, they didn't have Daniil Hunter for, I think, all of the year, or maybe maybe most of the year. Um, I think it was, think it was, I'm sorry. I think it was most of the year. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, you know how highly I think of Daniel Hunter. Um, you know, I, I think undoubtedly he would have put a lot more pressure on opposing offenses. But you know, him aside, the Vikings' defense just they weren't good, um, and that ultimately cost them their season. You know, the NFC playoff picture was pretty wide open until week 17 for most teams. And, you know, I pegged the Vikings for winning the division with, you know, an 11 and five record uh, before the season. And that's a far cry from their seven to nine finish. You know, San Francisco, like I, like I had said earlier, had nothing to play for uh, down the stretch and, you know, had every injury you could list, you know, the city of Santa Clara kicked the Niners out from playing there, you know, due to the COVID concerns and contact sports. So they played some of their home games at state farm stadium in, uh, in Arizona you know, where the Cardinals play, they finished six and 10, no complaints. And for all the, you know, math whizzes, I know neither you or I majored in math. 
seven to nine is closer to six and ten than it is eleven and five. Um, and for the expectations that I had for the Vikings, they were very far um, far off from that. Um, I'll let you go ahead. I, I got to think about uh, the player that probably didn't live up to my expectations the most, but I'll stumble upon it as you uh, as you go through yours. Okay. Um, well, for my player, I, I went with Carson Wentz. I don't really have much to add to that. <laughs> that's okay. He disappointed me a lot, and I as, and I as say an that Eagles as fan, a, that's that's you're entitled to that. That's I'm looking into my closet right now at my my white Carson Wentz jersey that I spent 120 bucks on, and just wondering if, if those days are long over. Well, I guess we'll find out. But um, for my team, I I went with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, 14 wins. Come on, you have Patrick Mahomes. You need at least you need 16. I mean, I think I think the league really exposed the Chiefs for the fraud. That that no, I'm just kidding. I didn't pick the Chiefs. I was about to say. Um, I, I was literally about to say. Are you kidding me right now? I was like, what the hell is? I I thought I thought I might. I, thought, I was gonna keep that going, but I didn't really have much else to say. Hey, go ahead, um, keep keep but, it up, keep it going. Keep, let's let's see. No, what no, we can but, do but, but, but. I know we're going to talk about the Super Bowl later, but, but go Chiefs, by the way. I'm, I'm a big fan of Andy Reid. Um, I know you are. I, I, I know you are. Yeah. That's, love Andy Reid. It's all good. Um, I also actually, you know, I'm glad I didn't pick the Bills on the last segment because I also went with the Vikings here. Um, and I, I think you you hit every point that I was going to mention. Um, I, guess, I guess the only thing else that I could say is that, you know, there are some rumors that, that maybe Kirk Cousins' trade is, is looming. Um, evidently, San Francisco had uh, – has been interested for for a number of years now prior to even getting Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, I read something that Kyle Shanahan thought um, Kirk Cousins was was like the perfect guy for him. Um, so who knows? I don't, I don't know if the Vikings would be willing to do that. But yeah, I mean, a, a seven and nine finish for for a team that I I thought was going to have ten or eleven wins um, certainly disappointing. So yeah, those are my picks. I think if I had to. Uh... If there was any singular person, player, can I pick a coach instead? Sure, sure. You can't pick Adam Gase, though. That's fine. No, I'm going to say Matt Nagy. Okay. Matt Nagy pissed me off this year, and I am not saying this because they backpedaled their way into the playoffs with an 8-8 eight and eight record. I'm saying this because you you benched Mitch Trubisky. I'm not, I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky is worthy of a starting position, you know, after what he's, you know, after the resume he's put up so far. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying contrary to that. Uh, what I am saying, though, is that he finished the season a heck of a lot better than he started. Um, and I don't know what Matt Nagy's um, affinity for Nick is. Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Nick was the backup in Kansas City while Matt Nagy was the quarterback's coach. Um, I, I hope that's accurate. Um, but it, it, Matt Nagy just literally rode Nick Nick Foles until the wheels fell off, and the, the wheels fell off in the form of a seven game losing streak. This team was five and one, I believe, and and before you could even snap your fingers, they were five and seven. Um. And this team just had so many problems. You know, this, their defense, which is supposed to be the monsters of the midway, just, you know, they were relied upon to keep the Bears in games. And in many ways they did. But, you know, the Bears would get down like 20 points in the fourth quarter against teams like the Lions and the Giants. And somehow they beat the Buccaneers. Like it, these, 
the Bears season made no sense. And I attribute that to, to Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy, um, you know, in many ways was a bit of a one hit wonder as a head coach. Um, I do think he's, he's worthy of, of his job, but I think that, you know, with all due respect to him, like you can't do the same things over and over again and expect something to change. That's the definition of insanity. And Matt Nagy just, continued to play Nick Foles, a struggling Nick Foles. And I know you love Nick Foles. I mean, he delivered, you know, a championship to Philadelphia and, you know, he should get all the praise for that, but everywhere else, Nick Foles is gone. He has been subpar at best. And I think in particular in Chicago, I mean, yeah, Jacksonville's paying the the lump sum of his salary, but like, why would you not, put Mitch back under center. I mean, Mitch, again, did play better as the season, you know, winded down. Um, I don't, I, I don't know what their starting quarterback is going to be. The, the bears confuse me so much. And I, I don't think, I, I think quite frankly, they need to clean house. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it's a disaster. So if I had to pick a player that disappointed me, it's probably Nick Foles um, largely because Matt Nagy. And if I had piss me off the most it's Matt yeah I mean that's a good pick Alex Um, speaking of doing the same thing over and over again and um, expecting different results Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are are, are coming back next year so I mean like what is going to change like you who's going to be their quarterback next year I I don't know like you can't tell me that the Bears are going to trade for Deshaun Watson. They could have drafted Deshaun Watson with the second pick, traded up for, you know, a couple years ago. Like, this is unbelievable, the situation the Bears find themselves in. And it almost drives me to tears, Jack, because poor old Miss McCaskey, you know, that a family owned team like this such a devastating situation and they the bears have nobody to blame but themselves man how about poor alan robinson the guy is so talented talented. i was i was talking to a friend we were talking about our top 20 wide receivers you know i was i was going through names and i noticed that i was i was missing one or two names and immediately i slotted started slotting guys in and out and I think I certainly had Allen Robinson in my top 20. I'm not sure if he, I don't think he cracked the top 10, but he was pretty darn close. Um, Oh my goodness. This guy's so talented. I mean, get out of Chicago, sir. If nothing else for your own happiness, like this guy would be perfect for the Miami Dolphins. Um, This guy would be perfect for the New York Jets. I mean, this guy is literally one of the like perfect embodiments of a wide receiver. Like he's, he's not the fastest guy on the field, but he's got strong, you know, really strong hands. Um, he's got quickness out of his cuts and the lost trait of wide receivers nowadays, he wins the 50, 50 balls. I mean, not too many guys are really going to go up anymore. Um, you know, to go catch a ball that a a quarterback's going to throw more often than not, you're going to see coaches scheming up quarterbacks to throw a wide receiver open. Allen Robinson's open all day, 24-7. And you put the ball up there, you know he's going to go get it. So I, kudos to Allen Robinson for 
toughing it out this year. I wish him nothing but the best. I'm very curious as to see where he ends up. Yep. No, I, I uh, totally agree. And, uh, you know, I'd love him on the Eagles. I, I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse here, but the Eagles need wide receivers. So I'll just say that one more time. Allen Robinson, come to Philadelphia. Odell Beckham Jr., Allen Robinson, and Jalen Rager. Sound good? Yeah, and, and J.J. Arcega-White. Or excuse me, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Hey, you guys picked him over DK Metcalf too, right? We did. Yeah, thank you for reminding You're me. You're welcome. That's a, it's totally fine. We can talk about it in March. Don't worry. That's great. We'll talk about it in March. I like that idea. Moving into our favorite segment, Jack. You know what it is. The hot corner. Speaking of the hot corner, uh, Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. What the hell happened? I did see that. What was the what was the deal on that? I didn't actually get a chance to to take a deep look at it. I don't know, but all I know is the St. Louis Cardinals all of a sudden have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, and that is really really scary. That is scary. Yeah, two 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 excellent players. Yeah. So anyway, uh, sticking into the hot corner and sticking with our theme, uh, we're gonna save our Super Bowl predictions for later in the week. Again. Spoiler alert, hoping for another episode, Jack, as long as you're up for it. Uh, of course. You know, there were, I think, six There were six head coaching vacancies uh, this, this offseason. And uh, thankfully, after the Texans figured out who's going to lead the charge going forward, um, all, all have been filled. And I don't think all of them were filled, you know, expected. Uh, based on predictions. So, Jack, we'll go back and forth. Uh, we'll start at three and head to one. So, three is our, our third most favorite, and first is our, our favorite. Um, we'll start with you. Um, which coaches, which fits did you did you like? Yeah, I, you know, there were a couple of coaching hires that I really liked, a couple that I didn't like so much, and I see three as sort of falling in the middle. I, I'm not really sure what to think about it, and I think it's a good place to put Nick Sirianni to the Eagles. Um, I think really? Big... Interesting. Very interesting. I, you know, I don't, okay. It wasn't, I don't think it was a terrible hire. Uh, it's better, than, jo- terrible it's better hire. than Josh McDaniel, that's for sure. That's true, I, and they didn't, they didn't have much to choose from, but the one thing I know about Jeffrey Lurie as an owner is that he's generally very good at hiring head coaches, with, with, with maybe the exception being Chip Kelly, um, who, who wasn't even that bad. I mean, he had, I think, 26 wins or 27 wins in three seasons. So, I mean, he averaged, you know, nine wins a season. It was the, uh, took him to the, it was, it was the pre-practice shakes, right? The pre-practice shakes, of course. I, I mean, I think what really got him fired was he was just a really big weirdo. Uh, but... <laughs> There's still nobody that does a better impression of Chip Kelly than you. That's true. Maybe maybe that'll be a segment one day. But uh, can that can that be right now? Uh, no, because you didn't talk about uh, Matt Stafford to the Rams. Okay, well, so we're, maybe... we're just gonna save this for March then. We'll save it for March. Uh, but yeah, I think I don't think it was a terrible hire. I think they could have done a lot worse. I.e., Josh McDaniels, and I and I like <laughs> really the theory. Now. Yeah, I like the staff that he's put together. Um, I think he's he's bringing in good coaches um, who are sought after by other teams. And uh, I, 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 Frank Reich was a great coach. He got to learn from him. Like I said, the big criticism is that he's never called plays. Well, well, neither did Andy Reid and neither did Doug Peterson. Uh, both guys had a ton of success with the Eagles. Uh, so I, I, I like Nick Sirianni as three. I almost went Urban Meyer, but I'm not, I'm not totally sold on that fit. So, um, yeah, let, let's go Nick Sirianni to the Eagles. That's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold on Urban Meyer either. Uh, I am always wary of, particularly. Uh, in the NFL, college coaches going to 
going to the pros. And I just think, I mean, Urban Meyer retired due to health issues. Uh, you know, if there's one thing that, you know, will get somebody, give somebody an aneurysm, it's watching an NFL team lose 14 straight games. Um, so, you know, Jacksonville lost 15 straight last year. So, um, my number three guy was Brandon Staley uh, for the Chargers. Uh, you know, I'm going to contradict this statement a little bit later, but I think it's more difficult, you know, inherently for defensive head coaches to have success in the NFL. I think it's naturally easier to find a really good defensive coordinator to run a defense than it is to find a good offensive coordinator to run an offense, uh, you know, and having the opposite as your head coach. But I, I think Brandon Staley feels like a different breed. He's, he posted the number one defense in the league last year with the Rams. He's had success wherever he's been. But last year was really the coming out party <clears throat> to see his coaching on display, you know, leading an entire unit. I think, you know, when you look at the chess pieces that the uh, the Chargers offered, Joey Bosa, you know, Kenneth Murray, who had a, a nice rookie season last year as the middle linebacker, you know, and, and Derwin James, as long as that guy can stay healthy. I mean, he's arguably the best safety in the league. Um, that's more than enough, you know, for Staley to have a lot of fun with on the Chargers defense. Offensively, you know, Justin Herbert, wow, like what a rookie year. You know, I think if he can just be consistent, you know, on offense next year and, you know, the team can stay healthy, I think their defense is going to be among, you know, the league's best next year just from Staley's pedigree. Um, I really like Brandon Staley for the Chargers again. I I think it's going to work out really well. Um, the Chargers claimed that they wanted him all along. I don't necessarily buy that, but I, I buy that they were interested in him from the get-go. And uh, I really like the fit. I just think that the Chargers defense was not very good last year. Clearly, that's where they needed to improve. Great. So now you have a rookie or a sophomore quarterback who had a, an incredible rookie season. Um, you know, Justin Herbert was blew expectations out of the water. Um you know, you still have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, you'll have a healthy Austin Eckler, you know, we'll see what happens with Hunter Henry, but I think Brandon Staley is just like a good culture fit. And I think ultimately he's going to put together a really good staff there. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I left him off my list, but I, I think you're a little bit more familiar with him than, than I that's am. But I, I do think he's a, he's a great fit with, with the Chargers. So that's a good pick, Alex. That's right. You, you, you um, want me to go with number two or, or you want yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Give us your number two. All right. Um, Tar Heel Nation, please stand up. I, I'm going to go with Arthur Smith for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, uh, for those unfamiliar with Arthur Smith, he, he was the Titans' offensive coordinator the last two years and played a big role in developing a game plan to hand Derrick Henry the ball 30 times a game. Um, it's a really good game plan, right, Jack? It is, yeah, yeah, right. It is a great game game plan when he when he can get you uh, two hundred yards off those thirty carries for sure. And look, he's not going to have Derrick Henry in Atlanta. And again, all jokes aside, you know Derrick Henry's insane. But uh, I know you're not as high on Ryan Tannehill as I am. But I think you do have to give Arthur Smith a ton of credit for, in many ways, resurrecting Ryan Tannehill's career. You know, maybe Adam Gase was just that bad of a head coach, and you and I would both believe that. Um, but I don't think many people pegged Ryan Tannehill to be a franchise quarterback. I mean, Arthur Smith and the Titans turned Ryan Tannehill into the Titans franchise quarterback, and he was paid as such. You know, last year and, and this year he's played like their franchise quarterback. And, you know, in many ways you could consider him a top 10 quarterback in the league. Having said that, I think he's a good fit. You know, Arthur Smith for the Falcons, a team that desperately needs a direction, whichever way it is, whether it's 
you know, trending upward or trending toward a rebuild. I, I really don't know what Atlanta is going to do with Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. Uh, regardless of what they do, I expect Arthur Smith to have a say in the Falcons either drafting a rookie quarterback this year and developing him either this offseason behind Matt Ryan um, or, you know, just developing him, you know, independent of what happens to Matt Ryan defensively. Um, Atlanta lured Dean Pease out of retirement. And Dean Pease was, you know, famous for running the the Tennessee defense the past couple of years before he retired um, for the second time, I believe, as I read. Um, so he's coming out of retirement uh, for a third time. Uh, but I think that's a huge coup, um, just having a guy that is so savvy on defense and familiarity there. Um, the Falcons, again, have, have quite a few decisions to make uh, this offseason, but I think between their new GM, Terry Fontenot, and between Arthur Smith, I think they're on their way back to better days. So I, I really like the fit there. Yeah, uh, that again, we line up. That's exactly who I picked at number two. For the Tar Heel connection, right? It's, it's Tar Heel Nation. Of course. Of course, I, I like Arthur Smith a lot. Uh, and I think, you know, kind of like you were touching on, one of the most talented offensive units in my opinion with, with Calvin Ridley, with Julio Jones, with Matt Ryan, finally gets a, a really good offensive head coach. We'll see if they can make anything out of it. But uh, I, I think anybody who watches the Falcons can see that they've they've really underperformed since they, they made that Super Bowl run just a few years ago. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe Arthur Smith can can put it back together for them. Yeah, and, and for that reason, I, I think it's just – I mean, he's a younger guy. But he doesn't look it, but he's only 38. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, it, like he looks like and and he coaches like he's been in the league for you know two decades. Um, but I I just think that Arthur Smith he he has a good aura about him, and I, I think that he'll be a good fit for the Atlanta Falcons. I I think of of all the coaches that Atlanta could look at, I think they got the offensive minded guy that they needed. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and um. You know, it's a, it's a little funny that, you know, given given how much I like offensive head coaches, I, I picked Nick Sirianni and Arthur Smith. That um, And number one, I, I would pick a guy who's not an offensive head We're going to line up here. I can, I can already tell. With, with Robert Sala. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. But, Robert um, Sala, yes, sir. I, I, I know that it's, it's pretty clear that if you look around the NFL, defensive head coaches aren't very trendy. But I just really like what Sala can bring to the Jets. And it kind of seems like they're going from, you know, um, a quarter pounder with cheese that's about eight days old and was left under my car seat. And I threw it out the window and let a bunch of birds chew it up. Um, A grass-fed, all-natural Wagyu beef patty. And uh, you wrote you wrote this, right? No, this is this is all from my brain. This is not on my word my word document here. Um, That's brutal, Adam Gase. I hope you're not listening. I did practice it a little bit, though. I, I have to admit, I can't lie about that. But um, okay. listen, I mean, yeah, you and I have uh, we've roasted Adam Gase quite a bit. He's a, he's an idiot. He's a clown. We, I think we both know that. And uh, it it seems like this is really um, more so than anything a culture changing move for them. Um, and and we know what what Robert Sala can do when he leads a defensive unit. He turned the Niners into one of the best defensive units. Um, his defense was a big part of, of why the Niners were able to make that around a few years ago and even this year I mean they they weren't as good as they were the last couple of years but you got to look at who they lost they lost to Forrest Buckner they had no no Joey Boza no no D4 no Richard Sherman uh, excuse me Nick Boza 
Um, so they and they were still you know an an average defensive unit. He's a he's a great defensive coach, and and I think he brings um, some stability to to a franchise that really hates it. Uh, and you know he got, he got the opportunity to Kyle Shanahan. Um, hopefully he he knows what it takes to to put together a great staff and and to really turn the New York Jets around. So. I, I loved the coaching hire, and uh, that, that's who I picked, and it sounds like you did too. Yeah, break up the New York Jets, please. Um, the Jets literally have one job every year, uh, and that's to mess things up. Um, and they're usually really good at it, Jack, but this year they failed, and by failing they succeeded. Um, the Jets needed a leader. Robert Sala is that leader, and then some. Um, you, you said it perfectly. I mean – this guy had everything working against him, you know, this year. And in many ways, he still had that defense, you know, playing so much better than countless teams, despite all the injuries, despite the trading of DeForest Buckner, who had a sensational year with the Colts. Um, you know, it, just to have guys rally behind you, that that says so much, uh, you know, about you as a coach. Um Again, let's we'll temper the expectations. You know, the Jets' rebuild is not going to happen overnight. They they're not going to have a healthy Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, who's incredible, Richard Sherman. Uh, but again, to your point, he's the best leader that the Jets could have brought in. Um, immediate culture change, like you said. Uh, he's bringing in Mike Lafleur to be his offensive coordinator. Uh, for those unfamiliar with Mike Lafleur, he's the uh, brother of Matt LaFleur, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, back-to-back 13-3 and regular seasons and the NFC Championship appearances. Uh, I think that's a very underrated move. And to be honest, I think it's worth you know sticking with Sam Darnold for. You know, if there's one thing that uh, Sam Darnold proved last year, it's that he's really tough against adversity. Um, and that's really what you want to see out of your leader under center. I think if, as long as he and LaFleur can mesh well, I think it's really worth seeing what you have uh, and then using that number two pick either to turn it into more draft capital or, uh, you know, if a team is quarterback hungry or, you know, drafting a playmaker, uh, you know, Devontae Smith's going to be there. Jamar Chase is going to be there. Um, you know, maybe you draft Penny Sewell, um, you know, and then you have two of the you know best young tackles you could ask for it. Mekhi Becton as well. Um, but I think regardless of what they do at quarterback in the draft, you can believe you're going to see the best of the Jets every week thanks to a leader like Robert Sala. So huge credit to Joe Douglas. Uh, I know you're a big Joe Douglas guy. Uh, he's got the right guy in the building uh, to write the ship. Uh, I think those AFC East coaches might be the most competitive foursome um, in the league. Uh, you have Bill Belichick, Brian Flores, Robert Sala, and Sean McDermott. Uh, that's a... And, the, and the, the crazy thing about it is they're all... They're all defense. Every single one of them. They're all defense. I mean, Bill Belichick is his defense. I mean, and in many, uh, Sean McDermott had one of the best offenses in the league last year. I, I, I think it's a really interesting dynamic there in the AFC East. And, you know, I think uh, certainly Robert Sala was more than due for his, uh, his head coaching opportunity. But I truly think that the Jets could not have hit it any better um, than, than Robert Sala. No, yeah, I, I agree, and you know, who, yeah, I mean, who who said defensive coaches can't work, right? I mean, yeah, I I, I did it earlier and then contradicted it, so I as well, but you know, hey, Robert Sala, go get him, go turn that that crappy franchise around, and he's a, he's a guy, uh, he's, he's a guy you have to root for, like even as a Patriots fan, like <laughs> you have to think, like you watch Robert Sala on the sideline just getting hyped when his team gets a third down stop, like 
imagine what this guy's going to do when his quarterback throws a touchdown. Like, this guy's going to be an insanely good leader for this team. And you know what I love about him before before we end here is that he just looks intimidating. Oh, he does. He, he looks he looks like a defensive-minded head coach. He looks like a guy who needs a locker room. You know, he hasn't even had he hasn't had to get up and do a whole shtick, do a do a little circus routine for the reporters like Dan Campbell did. You just know this guy's serious. You know, you know you don't cross this guy. You know you you, you, you come to work every yep. day. Um he didn't have to say anything. Everybody knows it. So he, he's, I'm rooting. Yeah, he he's he's going to have the guys in the weight room uh early on the first day of work. Oh, for sure. I mean, the dude's got some neck muscles. He's got neck muscles on neck muscles. Matt Matt respect for that. Of course. But anyway, we're gonna wrap it up here. Thanks again for tuning in with us on the burner account, Hot Takes No Breaks. Welcome to season two. Dose. We are excited to be back. Uh thank you again for joining us. We're gonna try and hit it back this week to get some Super Bowl predictions in. So stay tuned uh for some additional news, not only around the NFL, and hopefully next week we'll get back to the world of sports. Jack, it's a pleasure being back. Great to hear your voice and looking forward to chatting again soon. Of course, Alex, it's been a lot of fun. Great talking with you. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. All seven of you. We love you. Of course. See y'all.